I'm Rick Ralph and thanks for joining me, talking garbology, waste and recycling unwrapped. As an industry professional with more than 40 years experience, both internationally and in Australia, my podcast series provides listeners an insight to and conversations with a number of key industry leaders, subject professionals, knowledge experts on a wide range of topics waste and recycling related. Wherever you may be listening, I trust you find my program informative as we explore and unbundle the complex yet interesting subjects of waste management, secondary resource recovery, recycling, and all their endeavours. I thought I'd explore further the manufacture of organic materials after speaking with Mark Rayner from Rocky Point, where we talked about potty mixes and soil conditioners. And today I'm standing with Chris Alexander, General Manager at Phoenix Power Recyclers, south of Brisbane. The company has just commissioned Queensland's first state-of-the-art all-purpose-built in-vessel tunnel pasteurisation composting facility. Located at this facility are four huge 1,250 cubic metre tunnels, each capable of converting 500 tonnes of food and green waste materials mixed with some organic liquids. And from this, they produce high-quality landscaping organics. These organics are used in the agricultural and other horticultural use. Chris, welcome. And before we start, perhaps you'd explain to the listeners where we're standing and what we're looking at here. Hi, Rick. Yeah, the machine you can hear in the background is a a front-end loader, which is picking up shredded food organics and garden organic and green mulch. It's taken it into a mixing pit where we allow liquid to enter and we mix it to a precise ratio to get the material at the correct bulk density. The bulk density of the material that it goes into the tunnel is critical. So in vessel composting requires air to be sparged through the material as it's placed in the tunnel and this is really important to get an even uniform air sparging. So there are near on 3,000 holes, perforations in the floor of the tunnel. So to get that air through and also to allow liquid that is recirculated and then sprayed onto the product in the tunnel to percolate through, it's very, it's critical to have the right matrix. We're standing in the building and uh, I notice that there's huge piles of material, but more importantly, the building's actually closed. When we came into the facility, you couldn't hear a sound, you couldn't smell anything but we're certainly standing in this uh, uh, building and we can certainly get the right smell of organics, processed organics. Why the, why the closed facility? NIMBY, not in my backyard. So in order to operate this type of facility and maintain environmental control, this, you need to construct a negative pressure receiver hall such as this. So this receiver hall is near on 50,000 cubic metres in capacity and there is a, a, a large pipe in the roof that extracts air from this facility and then that air is taken and used in the composting process and recirculated through the tunnels. It seems to be a graduated pipe. We start with something that's about 300 mil and it's high up in the roof and then we end up with something that looks like around about a metre in diameter. Is that re- rationale for that? Yeah, that's, cor- that's correct. That's just purely through fluid dynamics. That's, that's the pressure drops in the pipe. That's how you get uniform pressure across the roof. So it's a negative vacuum, so that's why when we came in here, there was no odour. When I walked into the operational room, there was no there was no odour whatsoever exuding from the building. That's correct, and uh, I'm glad that's how the perception you you had, and that's exactly as we designed it for. What what is um, worth 
noting is that the structure of this building is covered in a polyethylene skin as opposed to being steel clad. And the reason for that is a steel clad building has lots of air leaks. And by covering this in a polyethylene material that has a fire retardant embedded in with the, the blend, um, we can control how the air leaks into the building. So you need air to come in in order to take air out. So to keep that odours under control, we have designed leak points. So when we're standing here, we can actually see the operational happening uh, behind us. There's an engineer, there's two engineers looking at computer screens and nice fancy equipment. What are they doing there exactly? So to get a, a uniform product uh, and to control that product, we have a PLC control and what you're seeing at the moment with the guys, what they're watching, that's the SCADA system. So for each tunnel, it has its own fans in order to blow air in through the product, up through the floor and extract it from above the product and recirculate it. So we can control temperature, control oxygen level and moisture content. So by changing these parameters, more air will bring more oxygen, which is useful in an aerobic process but it'll also take more moisture out of the system. So that with a PLC, we, we map the system and we have standard processes for standard recipes. We're just now watching uh, a uh, household collection organic system come in. The vehicle is actually driven through uh, one of the receiving doors that's automated. It goes up and as soon as the vehicle comes in, the door immediately discharges and goes down. The uh, vehicle itself, um, plenty of room in here to turn around. We're, we're looking at this massive loader. We're looking at huge piles of organics. And here we have a, uh, a vehicle discharging uh, material onto the, onto the working floor. It's certainly one of the challenges, I guess, in operating facility like this would be quality, getting ensure the, uh, the quality. We're looking at this domestic vehicle discharging at the moment. It's full of... Uh, green organics, garden, someone's done their lawns, they've done their trimming, palm fronds, etc. Um, we'll wait and I'll make an observation about further in a second, but it's certainly about the contamination. Is it a big issue here, Chris? Yeah, it is. It's, it's an issue for all composters. So ed educating people around what they place in each of their curbside bins or what they take to their local transfer stations and, and be disciplined over what they discard is an issue for all recycling, waste recycling, not just for organics. What you're actually seeing here is a curbside truck that's come um, from a curbside round and has picked up food organic, green uh, garden organic, uh, FOGO as we call it. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so you can see palm leaves. It depends where which area they come from. So they bring different types of vegetation and different council areas have different levels of contamination largely based on the level of education that they provide. And if you look at here now, when that material there, obviously it's oversized. Is that how that material straight out of the truck goes into the, because I noticed the material that the, the load was uh, taking out of the mixing uh, bay uh, seemed to be of a different consistency to that. So what do you do with that material there? So at the moment, the loader's just pushing that into the stockpile for material to be shred. So outside we have a diesel track shredder, which we bring into this negative pressure environment 
and every couple of days we'll shred all of the product to achieve a uniform size again and a size that is suitable for going in the tunnels to optimize the tunnel process. So that's that other second pipe we're seeing over the size so you can see two totally different blended materials even in the raw state there. So that's that second large pile we're looking to pile probably about uh, 15 meters tall by about 20-25 meters long. Um, and it would be ready for going into one of the uh, mixing and then into one of the tunnels. Yeah, that's correct. So when we've shred, we put it into another pile. It's a ready used pile for, as you saw earlier, when we started this uh, discussion, they were taking uh, six meter bucket loads from that stockpile and, and got taken into the mixing pit. But, it, but also in the process of stockpiling here, the composting process has started, which is why you see the, the green has turned to brown, even in the pre-shred stockpile. Well, anyway, look, we might move to somewhere a little bit quieter and uh, have a bit more of a chat about it. But I, I, I guess what we wanted to try and do is give the flavour of what we're looking at here is quite a sophisticated uh, composting operation that is certainly uh, a very, very sophisticated looking uh, facility with uh, uh, massive long tunnels and uh, uh, plenty of room for heavy equipment to move around. But importantly, it's contained within the building. Yeah, that's right. It's... Like I said earlier, the NIMBY not in my backyard in, in order to achieve that, in order to change the way in which we operate and keep the process close to the source of a product, um, reducing transport costs, reducing carbon emissions on the road, you, you will need this type of technology in the future. Thanks, Chris. Let's move to something a bit quieter. Chris, we're standing uh, here at the back end of the facility now. We've got these huge fans that we can see. Um, what are these, what part of the plant is this? This seems to be at the back of the vessels. Yeah, so what we're looking at here is we've got multiple PVC pipes that take the air down and under the floor. And these pipes are cast in rows underneath the tunnel floor, which provide the air to the near on 3,000 nozzles that are in the floor. So what you can hear is we, each tunnel has got its own uh, fan driven by a 76 kilowatt electric motor. That's not quite the power we absorb into them, but we have the capacity to push a lot of air through the tunnels. And the air itself, it's uh, obviously sucking the air in from uh, the front of the facility in that, in that building in the negative vacuum and then putting that air back into, uh, into, the, into the tunnels themselves. Yeah, that's correct. So that, that's the point where we bring what we call outside air in. So that's obviously got a higher level of oxygen, 21% thereabouts. Um, and, the, and these fans then push the air into the tunnels up to 5 kPa which uh, isn't uh, an enormous pressure, but it's, uh, it's sufficient. But also what these fans do is the suction manifold and the discharge manifold are connected together. So we can recirculate the air through the tunnels when we're warming up so we can control the temperature. I'm noticing everything's pristine. I mean, the stainless steel uh, vessels, there's no, there's literally nothing anywhere. I mean, it just looks like a, an efficient engineering facility. And I guess that's probably the key to ensuring the quality, isn't it? And it's everything accessible and everything's uh, stainless. And uh, how long, I mean, the facility's been running for a number of months now, and yet uh, it looks um, like it's brand new. Yeah, the facility uh, came online in commissioning under the constructor back in November 2019, and we took over at the end of February 2020. But we're still in the operational commissioning phase in terms of 
um, understanding how to optimize the plant with various feeding products and different liquids. And, and yes, it's, it's clean. Um, I'd like to think that's good housekeeping. But it's also, by being clean, we can see if we have any leaks in the system. And generally, leaks in the system mean odour. And uh, this whole plant is about not having any odours. Well, we're standing outside the back of the plant, and there's certainly no odour here. Now, when I turn around and look at the, uh, the stockpile in front of me there, it's, it's a whole lot of wood chip. What are we looking at here in this wood chip? In this, um, over, the, over the back, it looks like it's, it's active. Is that your airbed or the micro... Yeah, it's interesting that uh, we use this facility to manufacture compost and to process mulches. Um, but we, everything we're talking about here in the fans, the fans ultimately discharge the air when we don't need that air through what we call a biofilter. And the biofilter is uh, layers of mulches that uh, creates a, a microbial environment. And that environment treats any odours, potential odours coming from the air we discharge into atmosphere. It looks fairly active. There's a nice little sort of glow or haze across like a heat haze on top of it. So obviously it has a certain temperature to keep the bugs active, does it? Yeah, ab absolutely. The the bugs, again, um, have, an, have a um, an optimised temperature that they operating and and that's between 38 and 40 degrees centigrade so we have to control the temperature in there and the humidity so but with the humidity we can there's there's moisture in the air we extract from the compost facility and that's how we discharge that clean liquid uh, it goes out as a water vapor but also we have the ability to spray over the top should we need to to one control the moisture and two control temperature now to my left here, I can see uh, long windrows of, uh, of the processed material. That's obviously come out of the tunnels. Um, it's fairly dark and rich, and there's a machine there sort of just rotating and, and turning up. What's happening over this part of the facility after it's left the building? So the, for the tunnel side, we, we only leave the product in there for uh, 14 days. So within that 14 day period, we've loaded a tunnel, which takes a day and a half, and then we, we empty a tunnel, which only takes about five hours because we don't have to mix the product as we did on the way in. And that uh, meets pasteurization in these tunnels. The, the product's then taken out to the maturation pad where it sit for four to five weeks um, and achieve uh, compost standard. And then what you can see in the far distance there is we have a screening process and the excavators load in the screener. You've used the term pasteurisation several times. What do you mean by that? It's the process by which we reduce the pathogens in the feedstock. In a general term, it's really the process that knocks out the potential for odour. So composting um, has a perception of um, a large amount of odour, emanating yes. odour. Yeah. So by controlling the, the first part of the composting process within a controlled environment, we abate the odours and we limit the odours for when it goes to the maturation phase. And you're killing off all the weeds and all the seeds, so it's fairly sterile in, a, in simple terms. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That's, yeah, OK. Yeah. All right, let's move to somewhere a bit quieter and we'll just talk about the technology. Thanks, Chris. Chris, we've uh, moved to a, a, a quieter part of the facility. Let's start at the beginning. Certainly, the, uh, when we, where we started this podcast, we started it within the, the building itself. We observed the loading of the tunnels and we have observed um, how the how, I guess, production or the, the engineering side of it. Why did the company go down this uh, uh, route of in-vessel tunnel composting as opposed to um, open windrow? 
I suppose there's a number of answers to that, a number of responses. Initially, this location had been a compost facility for a, num a couple of decades. And as the Yatla industrial area has developed, it's brought more um, receptors into the area. So whether industrial or whether domestic, um, they're still receptors. Um, means encroachment, which is a common thing that occurs with waste management processes. Um, they're built in what are remote areas initially, and whether they're at quarries or disused quarries or mines, and gradually we get encroachment. And that certainly happened here. Ideally, if you've got encroachment and you're going to stay there, you want to be located near infrastructure for getting the products near. And here at Yatla, we're not far from the Pacific Highway between the Gold Coast and Brisbane. And therefore, we have good infrastructure feeding this location, which uh, led us to a business decision to invest in uh, technology that we can continue to operate without affecting the um, well-being of the neighbours, I suppose. The technology is certainly unique um, in as far as it's got the, the tunnels, it's got the aeration uh, of the pads, etc. One of the, one, I guess, from the from an industry perspective, the there's a lot of debate about organics, but there's not a lot of understanding about the markets for organics, is there? There seems to be a disconnect in some terms between policy and uh, the market uptake of the material. Do you think that's fair fair judgment? Yeah, I think so. The the from the agricultural perspective, there's certainly a lot more work that can be done between the source of feedstocks, the quality, and the benefit for farming. And there's work being carried out through Griffith University that uh, Phoenix is a partner to. And that, that is looking at um, what we call a hot mix. And a hot mix is to take pasteurized compost straight from the tunnels to agricultural land, as opposed to letting it sit around for maturation and aging. So there's various maturities of compost and when you see a nice black compost in a bag, that would be some months old. But in order to um, have a viable business, space costs money, time costs money. And so we're trying to um, identify the nutritional benefit of hot mix to our culture. But as we talked about earlier, and you identified it, you picked out the contamination. Yeah. Um, and the contamination that um, humans place in food organic and green organic bins um, and we audit the waste from resources. Um, we've pulled out whippersnipper, strimmer engines, petrol cans, um, a lot of kids lunch boxes for some reason. Um, Didn't want to touch the sandwiches obviously. No, so there's, there's a real issue around biodegradable compostable products and what that means and the way in which they degrade and the time it takes for them to degrade. Um, some won't degrade in the time they're with us and therefore we have to treat them like plastics, like soft plastics. And I guess if you uh, look at any uh, school child's uh, uh, school bag at the end of term, you'll find all sorts of gremlins in it, no doubt, and that's probably why the lunchbox is up in the organics bin. Well, that's funny you should mention school bags because we've seen school bags as well. And so you wonder whether your younger people, well, it could be younger people or older people, I suppose, uneducated in the terms of what they need to place in the bins. 
So what should we be putting in bins if you're talking about food and organics in the household? I mean, obviously councils have a, a major play in the education space, but simplistically put from your facility's point of view, what, what would you like to see in those bins and only in those bins? Well, green waste is, is fine in general. Um, we don't want to see any chicken wire wrapped around the green waste. Um, and with the food waste, people do go and find compostable bags. But strangely, they'll place a group of compostable bags in a soft plastic bag. And therefore, in order to extract that organic, um, and those compostable bags from that other bag takes time and money and effort. And by doing that, it almost makes it a waste of time, funny term, use waste, but um, a waste of time to place that in the system because it's just not viable to go and extract it. The uh, markets for this material, where does inherently uh, material, as you said, it's gone through the, the tunnel, so you've accelerated the process. It's then set out on the pad where it's further mixed and let to maturate, and then it's blended in soil. Where does this material go inherently? Well, a large portion of what we produce today have invested significant, um, significant in composting terms, capital in this infrastructure. And we are making a quality product, and that's where we aim to be. And our large um, customer, who takes uh, near on 80% of our volume, is also a high-end soil conditioning manufacturer. So we're pleased to work with them, and we work with them um, all the time in terms of meeting a standard and trying to improve that standard all the time or maintain consistency for them, giving them a, a, a good product that they can count on. But we also... Um, blend some with soils, and so we do a bit of soil manufacturing here. Um, there's, a, there's soils in Australia uh, known for their quality, um, and with the expansion of the Gold Coast and development and more residential areas being built up, there's a requirement for um, a good quality soil. I guess that gives a bit of an insight um, where certainly it's state-of-the-art technology and certainly it's... Um, uh, it's unique in Australian terms, but unique in Queensland terms. Do you think this bodes the, the future of all organics facilities, Chris, uh, into the future? Well, as a general manager of this facility, I'd like to say the answer is yes. As I said, if you're going to continue to operate this type of facility, we, with a view that you believe that we're doing the right thing with waste, doing the right thing by not putting it straight into a landfill, um, and diverting it from landfill for beneficial use in another way. We're going to need these type of facilities. But what comes with it is an increased cost. We've been operating open window composting forever as humans, quite frankly, for a very long time, thousands of years. And here we are in 2020 um, moving towards a technology that is established in other countries around the world. Um, and so, yes, I would say that if governments and councils have a clear strategy to move to diversion, they are going to need to find a supplier because you can't run one of these facilities on a couple of hundred tonnes a year. You need to consolidate volumes and to get the best overall cost, I suppose. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely believe that this type of technology is the way ahead. Well, listeners, I trust you found this uh, live podcast interesting. Uh, certainly, it's given you a flavour, I thought, by recording it here uh, in the, the real life with uh, in action and an actually operating facility is important to give you a bit of a feel 
of what actually happens behind the scenes in uh, manufacturing, I guess, the, uh, the base load for soil mixes and other material in a commercial operation uh, that operates 24-7, 365 days of the year um, and produces a high-quality media, but more importantly, it's technology, it's smart, and uh, it's efficient. So, Chris, thanks very much. If uh, listeners would like further information, they can go to all the W's and Phoenix uh, recyclers on the uh, power recyclers on the website and uh, certainly have a bit more look there and if you'd like more information uh, uh, contact uh, Phoenix through the uh, through the website yeah that'd be great I'm more than happy to take calls and discuss what we do here and help out where we can thanks Chris enjoy if you enjoyed this podcast I have a range of other waste and recycling subject material on my website www.thegarbologist.com Wherever you may be listening throughout the world, please keep safe, have an enjoyable day, and all the very best. Bye for now.